Rhea Fry's latest novel, The Compelling Family Saga, Secrets of Our House, tells the story of Desi, a wife and mother who thrives for perfection, both at work and at home. But then real life gets in the way. The story of two intertwined families, tested by a terminal illness, Mother Nature, and the deep, dark secret that Desi has held onto throughout her marriage, is what gives the characters in Secrets of Our House its bittersweet resonance and its explosive ending. I talked to Rhea Fry about how the plot came to her, the research she did on surviving the harshest forces of nature, something her characters must do, why it's important to allow our children to follow their own paths, and why revealing the secrets and lies we feel may destroy us may actually set us free. I want to start by telling you how much I enjoyed, as you know, Secrets of Our House. The decision to spend the whole summer on their vacation home that may not have been the best choice in Desi's point of view. I want to ask you, how did this plot originally come to you? Yeah, such a great question. So typically with my books, it's character driven. I create the characters in my head or the plot, something crazy happens and that just unfolds before me and I can almost see the book start to finish. This book was completely different in that the house came to me first. So this black house kind of came to me as its own character. And it's based off of a real house of a fellow writer friend, Emily Carpenter, who actually lives in Georgia, not in North Carolina. But I remember walking into her house. I was on a, a book tour and she let me stay at her house. And she was like, yeah, come stay at my house. And I was thinking, cool, it's it's a house, not a compound. And it was this massive, beautiful black house in the middle of nowhere. And I remember stepping foot in this, you know, big floor to ceiling glass door and thinking like, this is the perfect house for a murder, which <laughs> the first iteration of Secrets of Our House was much more thriller, much more kind of like a whodunit suspense. And it really changed over time. But this book started with that house. And I wanted to really kind of make it a character through its very rich setting and, and kind of being the container for all of these secrets. I, I wanted it to kind of come to life on the page. Well, I thought it came totally to life. So you accomplished that goal. <laughs> but you also have a wonderful sort of love story between two very young adults. Um, one is about to graduate and go to college, to Columbia, as a matter of fact, who is Jules, who happens to be Desi's daughter. And uh, she falls in love with a local boy in this very small town of River Falls. But obviously, Desi is concerned that this relationship might change, and she's right, Jules' feelings about going off to college. Desi has her own situation where She's married, but it's not necessarily a happy marriage. And you get into that very early in the book. Matter of fact, literally within the first yeah. <laughs> paragraph. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so there's a lot of color there as she's projecting her own thoughts about what will happen when opposites attract. How did you come up with the idea of having her and her husband, Peter, as opposites? And explain how this affects the whole arc of your story. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm very interested in marriage in, in general and partnership and, and what traditional marriage looks like, what long-term relationships look like, especially today, because I feel like, you know, it's so easy to get a divorce today. It's so easy to walk away from your partner. 
And with Desi and Peter, they met when they were younger. And I think it's really easy when you're young to kind of recognize something in another person and think, oh, that's what I need in order to complete myself. So I think Desi was very attracted to Peter's just kind of who he was. He was kind of, you know, simple, a little bit closed off somewhat, but he wasn't a very like wild, emotional, passionate person. And she had had that with another person in her life. So sometimes I think we're attracted to our complete opposite because we think that that's going to bring us something and it's going to complete us in some way. And as time goes on, Desi realizes how vastly different her and Peter actually are. And I think for couples, it's really easy to build a life together to create, you know, all these beautiful things, which they do. Desi is very focused on how things look on the outside, not necessarily how they feel on the inside. So she constructs this beautiful life in Chicago and, you know, she has a daughter who's going off to college. Her husband is kind of doing his own thing. She's building her empire. But when they get to this black house and she doesn't have any of that, she doesn't have her job to focus on, you know, her penthouse in Chicago, you know, all of the little like bells and whistles that compose her life. She's really met with the truth and the lack of true foundation, true friendship and true support between her and her husband. And so when her daughter falls in love for the first time, I think it really reminds her of what she used to have and what her life might have turned out like if she had you know, perhaps married the love of her life when she was young. But at the same time, I think she's super concerned that a 17 year old can't possibly know what they want for the rest of their lives. That's what she's telling herself. And she doesn't want her daughter to make any sort of mistakes that's going to derail her from having a successful future. It's a very common like parent child conflict, you know, where we think we know best for our children and we don't want to see them make mistakes. And I pulled from my own life a little bit in that I got married the first time when I was 22. I met the man when I was 19. He was 12 years older than me. And everyone was like, what are you doing? Don't get married. And I never thought I would get married. And I did, even though I did not want to, I had a panic attack walking down the aisle, everything in my body knew it wasn't the right thing for me, but I felt like I had to, I felt like you know, the wedding had been paid for and all of these things. So I kind of went down that path and he and I were so wildly different opposites that our marriage just imploded very, very quickly, actually. So I think it's really interesting to kind of play with these different dynamics of marriage and partnership and lust and love and and kind of see how it all turns out. Right, right. As a matter of fact, because Desi also got married so young, There was another relationship she was in previously with a gentleman by the name of Carter, who also happens, I think he served with Peter in the military. And Carter was her first love. She settled on Peter because she thought he'd, I think, be a little bit more stable. But then Carter is still there. He comes back into her life. And um, I know there's a a part of the book where um, Carter's standing outside this you know, their beautiful black house. Mm-hmm. And he takes a selfie of himself pointing to the house. And it gives the reader that little bit of a sinister overtone. How is this going to play out in the long run? And what is his motive? What is his ulterior motive for that? So explain to us how, in your process, this book became, I feel, more about family and family dynamics versus a typical domestic thriller. 
Yeah. And it, it's funny, as I mentioned earlier, it did kind of start out more as a typical domestic thriller. You know, Carter had this completely different role in the book. It was way more the kind of thriller and suspense, but, you know, I've done that in my previous three books and I wanted to kind of stretch and play a little bit. I remember before I wrote this book, I read The Great Alone by Kristen Hanna, which is a beautiful book. It's so beautiful. And I was like, I want to write a book like this. I I want to really dig into these family dynamics and look at, you know, what happens when we are so busy, especially in this modern society, we can live with other people in a house, but we're often so distracted. We're all doing our own things. So when they all get into the container of this house, the past really kind of starts to creep up. And I feel like all of us or most of us have these what ifs, maybe what if with a uh, first love, what if, you know, you had chosen this different path. And so all those questions start to kind of resurface. And as I got into it, you know, it just felt right to kind of explore Desi's path forward and all the mistakes that she's made and how flawed she is. And juxtapose that with a daughter who's 17, who's just really beginning her life, who falls madly in love and knows what she wants out of her life, but is having to kind of justify that to these parents that have this version of her life already mapped out. So that to me felt more thematic and more important to really dig into than your typical, like, you know, someone gets killed and we're going to find out, (laughs) we're going to find out who it is. I wanted to just stretch myself a little bit as a writer and and see what came up. I agree with you. I think writers should stretch themselves. If they do too much of the same thing, they fall into tropes. And you yes. kind of did a major detour with this book. And I have a feeling you're going to pick up different readers because of it. I hope so. They look at your body of work and they go, oh, wow, well, yeah, this was a domestic thriller. But at the same point, this one was about family. And that's different. For example, you have Jules's boyfriend, Will. His mother, Lenore, is dying of terminal cancer. And because time for her is such a precious commodity, she pretty much speaks her mind very, very openly. And this appeals to Jules because her mother has always had this hidden agenda, which Jules has never been able to figure out, and it's distanced Desi from Peter. So I liked how you had this dichotomy between the two mothers who are raising their children so differently, as opposed to you didn't put them head on head. And I know that there could have been that, but Mm -hmm. I think it opened up Desi to the reader as to how you can see somebody else's mother and go, what can I take of that and make it my own? Exactly. And I think it's so easy today to compare ourselves as mothers. It's almost like who's busiest, who's most successful, whose child has all the accomplishments and accolades. And, you know, when Desi walks into Lenore's house, it's a true home. It's probably not decorated as, you know, nicely as Desi would have her home decorated, but it's, there's warmth there. There's life in those walls. And I think it's interesting. I wanted to have Lenore facing the end of her life because unfortunately, a lot of times that's what it takes for us to really wake up and start to speak our mind, tell people how much we love them, start telling the truth and not tiptoeing around our feelings, our emotions, what we want out of life. And I think for Desi, it catches her a little bit off guard because Lenore is so just straightforward, but she's also established 
such a close relationship with Jules in such a short period of time. And Desi and Jules don't have that level of intimacy that Lenore and Jules do after just a couple of months. And so she gets really possessive, I think, and insecure about it at first. And just as like, you know, how has this woman made such an impact on my daughter's life? But then, you know, as their relationship grows, as Lenore and Desi get to know each other, they realize that they are both just mothers and they're doing the best that they can. And that was a big takeaway. I, I was hoping readers would take away if someone's reading this and they are a mother, because it is so easy to drop into the comparison game or think someone's doing this better. Oh, I should be raising my kid like this. And at the end of the day, it really is just about loving our people and, you know, doing that to the best of your ability. Exactly. Exactly. You also have um, Desi's brother, Tommy, who also served with Peter and Carter in the military. And he's now living or, you know, he stops by (laughs) to to live with them. And he's very close to Jules. And he has sort of a, a different mindset on the world, on life. And I could see that you could have gone one way or the other with his personality as far as, you know, there's always that crazy aunt or uncle. And he (laughs) he definitely plays that role in this book, but he does it in such a sly way. And I felt you did a beautiful trajectory with his part of the story as well. How did you come up with the idea for such ambiguity and why did you feel it was necessary for the story? Yeah, I mean, Tommy was kind of a later addition to the story in general. I wanted to have a touchstone of Desi's past beyond Carter to kind of showcase a different side of her, but also have someone as as somewhat of a tether between all of these different people. And Tommy's really been kind of labeled as a drifter, as someone who can't be relied upon. And I really loved his growth in the story where he actually is reliable and he shows up and he is kind of a great uncle. And I wanted someone who is a little bit, he is pretty like steady actually throughout the book, even though he's presented as like, Oh, my brother, who's just stopping by, he's going to, you know, stay forever. And, you know, Desi's got these judgments about all these people in her life. And Tommy, I think throughout the whole book, and especially near the end, kind of steps up in a way and is the brother, you know, that she needs him to be. So, you know, I thought it was important to kind of show his arc a little bit. And I think all of these characters definitely go through some period of growth and change in a pretty condensed amount of time. So that was important to just show that no matter how minor a character in the book. Right. And he comes into play in so many different ways just by being that character, which I don't think you could have pulled that off with any of the other characters in the book. Yeah, I appreciate that. You know, where they live is supposed to be a paradise, essentially, a very wooded, beautiful paradise. At the same time, stuff happens. (laughs) For example, um, one of the teenagers during Julie's birthday party, who happens to be Will's sister, she gets attacked by a bear and it's pretty serious you know, this is the dark side of Mother Nature. And I, I'm kind of glad that you wrote that into the book, that it wasn't all idyllic. It wasn't all this beautiful little paradise. I think it added a lot of depth that you would not necessarily see in a story where you're talking about family. Sure. To have Mother Nature come in and just kind of ah, smash, yeah. <laughs> smash yeah. your family. The bear thing. Have you 
had that experience? Uh, no, luckily I've not <laughs> been attacked by a bear in my life, but I'm an avid hiker. I love the idea of living out in the wilds, like just put me in, in the forest and I'm good. However, that comes with like a huge sense of responsibility and a lot of threats. So I wrote this scene specifically so that we could see Jules in action. She is a bit of a survivalist like her father. She maybe wants to become a paramedic, like shirk college and just like become an EMT or a paramedic. And I thought it was important to see her in a very specific role, like that she could handle herself. But I remember after I wrote this scene, my editor was like, mm, I don't think we need this scene. Like it's not really moving the story forward. And she really wanted to take it out. And I fought her on it because I felt like we did need it to see Jules in action. And luckily, you know, I got to keep it. And ironically, I've had so many people reach out to me about that scene <laughs> specifically. But when I was writing this, just doing like research in general and, and watching things, but I watched something that had a horrific bear attack. And then I went on a bunch of hikes afterwards and I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I was kind of ruined for it. Just expecting to maybe be attacked by a bear um, just because I had been entrenching myself in it so much. But I did at the end of the day, think it was an important scene to, to have in there. Frankly, I have to tell you, I'm glad you did again. I'm, I'm just saying that because I was thinking we did a trip a couple of years back to Yellowstone and in the cafe at the lodge there, they had like a month, a month of how many people had been attacked by bears. Gosh. Just to bring home the fact that, hey, be on your guard. This is what you need. This is how you respond. I thought it was yes. a wonderful, you know, like people will see it in a pamphlet, they'll, they'll look. Sure, sure. You're eating your muffin and your coffee. Right. You're seeing that, <laughs> you know, that calendar. You're like, mm, okay, okay. Now well, we know. <laughs> that's something that I really wanted to talk about too, because, you know, we have gotten so far away from our own humanity and how to hunt, how to cook, how to take care of ourselves, how to live in community, how to be outside even and live off the land. And, you know, in this book in particular, Desi's like, oh, if I just build this like beautiful state of the art house, like nothing will go wrong. Everything will be great. And she is not so into the nature and being outside like her husband and daughter. So I feel like she feels like an outsider, even in this beautiful home that she's created for her family. It's like they don't even want to be in the house half the time. They're out building a shelter and doing all these things outside. So I wanted to kind of touch upon that too, because I feel like, I don't know, we live in a world of conveniences that we've forgotten not only the power of mother nature, but just the beauty of it and how we're really supposed to be living more of an outdoor existence than in our air conditioned, heated little homes. Exactly. And matter of fact, mother nature again comes into play yes. at what I feel is sort of the climax of the book. Yeah. Jules has a fear of flying. And her boyfriend happens to be a pilot yes. and he has a mission and she decides to go with him or he asks her and they had made this pact that they were going to do it together. And of course, worst case scenario, something does go wrong yes. on that. What I loved was that Jules was enough of a, an outdoors person yes. that she could kind of say, we're in this situation and this is what I have to do to survive and what I have to do to make sure that Will survives too. Tell us your research on that because I really thought it was fascinating, the whole ding, 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 point A to point Z, how yeah. everything ended up. 
Completely. And, you know, I will preface this by saying it's fiction. So, (laughs) you know, maybe it wouldn't have turned out quite the way that it turned out. But I based this whole thing on kind of living out my worst fears. I was never afraid of flying and then had a horrible flight into Chicago one year and we had to get in crash position. And ever since then, my body would just react when I would get on a plane. And I'm not a huge fan of prop planes, which is what Will flies. I mean, you hear about accidents and crashing all the time. So I talked to some pilots and I actually went up not too long ago in a glider plane, which was really interesting. So the prop plane is like attached to this glider plane with no motor, no engine, and they detach when you're in the air and you are just gliding above the mountains hoping not to crash. So that was really interesting to me to kind of feel that panic and and fear and then figuring out like, okay, you're in the wilderness, you're in the snow, like, how do you survive? Like worst case scenario, what do you do? I think that's a question a lot of us have asked. We've seen it in movies, we've read it in books, but like, what would you do if you were actually put in that situation and not many of us would be able to survive because we wouldn't even know how to start a fire or keep safe and and keep yourself from freezing to death. So it was really interesting to kind of dig into that research, but also I have a love hate relationship with research. I think it's important to get it as factually correct as you can, but I also think it's really fun as a fiction writer to be creative and use your imagination a little bit. So it doesn't read like this very dry play by play. So it was a nice combo of the two. It was a nice combo of the two. I'm glad you said that. I felt like I was in the moment with them. And I also felt like, how would I have reacted in this situation? And I'm glad that you gave Jules the skill set to pay off how the book ended. And it's not exactly what I would call a happily ever after in the sense that when you're in a situation like that, there's major trauma, there's major physical and emotional trauma. And I'm glad that you were able to see all levels at everyone's point of view, how they felt their future was going to work. Yes. And part of that has to do with communication, which I think the biggest lesson of the book was something that we see Desi learn, which is she's had too many secrets. She hasn't communicated well with either her husband, Peter, or her daughter, Jules. And that has cost her. And it does end up costing her in the end. Yes. What elements of their family dynamic did you feel was the most important? And when you came to your resolution, how did that make you feel? Because I think we all go into these books and it becomes a revelation to us how they end up. We we may outline, but we only go so far. You know, it's sort of like the journey is on the map, but you can take detours and I wonder how many detours you took to get to this ending where it was real. It was a real ending. Yeah, real. Because, you know, it's fun in these books. Sure, everyone lives happily ever after, but that's not real life. And I wanted to to really show these characters that they could still be a family, but it was going to look radically different than the traditional husband, wife, child it wasn't going to end up like that. And I think there were consequences for certain actions that happened in the book. Desi has so many secrets, has made so many mistakes, and she is having to deal with that as are, you know, the other two people in her family. But 
as kind of quote unquote messed up as everything is, as much trauma has happened and kind of separation in general, both in location and relationships and all of these things, she still can like look around. The last scene is kind of at a, at a dinner table and see that these are still her people and she still made mistakes and she's probably going to spend the rest of her life trying to repair certain relationships. But I also think it's a testament on letting go. Sometimes you have to let go of the way that you thought your life would look or the way that you thought relationships would look. So yeah, it's not wrapped up in a pretty little bow, but I think the reader hopefully will walk away with realizing that all of these characters, even with their flaws and and pain and everything they've dealt with, that they will be okay and kind of find their way. Rhea Fry's novel, Secrets of Our House, is in bookstores now. This is Josie Brown with Author Provocateur.